You're listening to an all-new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more. Our guest on this episode is the founder of The Fulfill Company, which was founded in 2018. The Fulfill Company is an empowerment company based in Philly that focuses on assisting individuals, companies, and organizations fulfill their purpose by combating things that keep them from achieving those goals. From a youth perspective, that means roadblocks like bullying, handling failure, self-esteem, and those kinds of issues. From an adult perspective, we're talking about things like depression, unbelief, imposter syndrome, lack of confidence, suicidal thoughts, and those kinds of mental health issues. And then from an organizational perspective, we're talking about aligning with your employees and your team because sometimes a lack of belief in their personal ability as well as in the company vision and mission can be detrimental to the overall goals and missions of the, of the organizations out there. Here are the self-made strategies of Philip Yacinth. Hey, Phil, how's it going? Hey, Tony, how you doing? Great. Yeah, thanks for joining us on the show. Really excited to get into this. I love talking about these issues in particular. We've actually been talking a lot about mental health recently. I think maybe it's because we're all sort of going through this cycle, dealing with COVID-19, dealing with just that sort of low frequency anxiety lying in the background, right? That peaks up every once in a while. You might be at the supermarket just picking up eggs and they're out of eggs and you just have a freak out right then and there oh, yeah. because <laughs> things are just, you know, kind of uh, uh, on this interesting spiral that we're stuck on, right? So really psyched to uh, to get into this. I know that your main mission lately, especially, has been to focus on youth, but we'll talk about how you develop the organization first, and then we'll kind of go one by one through some of these things and through some best practices to help the listeners out there to deal with their own anxiety and mental health issues. So go ahead, Sounds take good. us back to October of 2018, when you decided to start this organization. What led you to starting the Fulfill Company? Yeah, so I, I think it actually started well before uh, October 2018. Um, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, just, just a little bit about my background. So um, I'm of Haitian descent, and uh, both my parents moved here from Haiti in uh, the 60s, 1962, to be uh, specific. Uh, they moved to Brooklyn, and a couple of years later, they ended up moving to uh, to, to Boston, which is uh, where I'm from. And, um, you know, they moved here for a better life, just like a lot of, uh, you know, other people who move from, you know, other parts of the country or different countries. And, um, you know, we, we just kind of, uh, were just, you know, scrapping along and just trying to survive. And, um, and, you know, something happened, uh, at the age of 13 that completely changed my life. And, uh, what that was, was, um, I lost my father, um, at, at a very young age, he was 42 years old and he died of a heart attack. And um, that really uh, just kind of made things spiral for uh, my entire family. I'm one of five. And so, uh, you know, my mom was now a single parent. And, um, you know, I told you we were struggling with the two of them. And it really was a struggle uh, once uh, my father passed away. And I was right at that, that age where, you know, as you know, 13, you're, you know, just turned, you know, turning into becoming a man and you're trying to figure out how to do it. Um, and so I dealt with a, a, a lot of uh, struggles, like mental struggles. And I went to, through a, de a depressive state of losing my father. My father was, you know, my best friend. And literally I was on his right hip wherever he went. You know, he was in the cars. I was there. He was, you know, uh, you know, doing any type of handiwork. I was right there, you know. So 
Um, you know, so experiencing that and experiencing, uh, you know, I started, um, you know, having behavioral issues in school, not having that, that, you know, strong male voice to, you know, to basically look at me and say, listen, you, you need to get it together. And it's not that I was uh, necessarily not listening to my mom, but, you know, I was definitely, I definitely feared my father for sure. Um, as much as I loved him and, um, you know, just different experiences, not having, um, my father in my life, um, it, it ended up allowing me to see what a lot of other young people are, are, are dealing with, not just at 13, but, you know, even to young adulthood. I mean, and even some adults, uh, adults, you know, actually deal with some, you know, some of those same issues. So, um, I've always been someone that, uh, loved to give back and wanted to help people. So I've done a lot of, um, you know, community work. I've sat on uh, countless boards serving in various capacities. And throughout those years, I always, you know, knew that was my passion to be able to help people. And, um, you know, friends and family would say, you know what, one day you're going to run your own organization. And I would say, yeah, you know, I, I just didn't, I couldn't really wrap my uh, mind around what that actually meant. Um, so, uh, again, just serving for, for many, many years. And, um, you know, just as I was serving on various boards, I started to think of, you know, different ways I could impact uh, young people and just impact communities. And so before 2018, I think it started to be developed uh, over the years. And, um, you know, and I was just trying to, I was putting my hands in so many different things, just trying to figure things out. And ultimately what ended up happening was um, I was actually at a trip in Dubai. I was in, uh, in Dubai in 2018. And um, I made the decision that I was going to, you know, start this company, but I was trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to name it. I was looking at different acronyms. I was going through that whole process. I was asking people, I, I mean, crazy, crazy process. And I'm sure you, you know, you're, you're familiar with that whole process. So uh, while I was in Dubai, um, you know, I basically made the decision that I was going to, you know, help people. I was going to use my passion of helping people and my passion of sports and mix them together. And obviously I ended up settling on the Fulfill Company um, to, again, it's, a, it's a, an empowerment company. We help, um, sp we help all people, but specifically young people, we help them fulfill their purpose in life by dealing with all the challenges that you just mentioned. And unfortunately with what's going on uh, in our society, racial injustice and social injustice has been included in that as well. And um, you know that actually led to October, uh, 2018, where I made the decision to jump and made the decision to start the Fulfill Company. And, um, you know, I'm excited by what I do. I'm passionate by, by what I do. And I'll try to temper my passion because I can get really excited. Um, and, you know, I'm just walking in my purpose. And that's what I'm trying to pass on to the kids to be able to find that thing that excites them, that thing that makes them want to get up every morning. And, um, you know, that's kind of how the Fulfill Company was birthed. That's an awesome story. And talk about perfect timing now with COVID-19 and all of these mm -hmm. issues that students and, and adolescents and and you're right. I mean, this goes all the way up to adulthood. Certainly, there are a lot of us who struggle with these mental health issues on a daily basis. And if you can stop that a little earlier or at least help them to develop the techniques and the skills that can help them to overcome some of these challenges when they recognize them happening that can help them further along their path, you know, a little bit sooner. That's, it's a really interesting story. I, uh, I teach at Temple and um, I'm very fortunate in that, in that sense. Uh, it's been one of my lifesavers with, with my own mental health during yeah. COVID-19 and during quarantine and all of these things, just to be able to have that 
to go to. And as we were talking about before we started recording this episode, that, you know, sometimes when you're helping others, that helps you to forget about your own anxiety. Right. So So sometimes that's that's a therapeutic way to get over some of these issues. Right. So what are you seeing first and foremost as sort of the bigger issues that individuals in that, you know, mid teen to mid 20s age group is facing primarily right now? Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. I think the primarily it's the isolation. Um, kids are really, really struggling uh, with, with, with not being around their friends, um, you know, not being around their teachers as well, because I think that, you know, obviously everything is turned into a virtual world. And, um, you know, you have some kids who uh, may not have the best internet connection. So that's an additional frustration that um, not just kids are dealing with, but the parents are dealing with it as well. And, um, you know, unfortunately, some of the parents uh, haven't adjusted very well either. And I think that the frustration or the additional uh, workload has been overwhelming for them. And that that feeling of overwhelming and frustration and uh, just all types of just different uh, emotions, it's been transferred over to the kids as well. And the kids have been feeling that, you know, they, they've been feeling that as well, you know, right. um, you know, there's like new math, there's all this, you know, new stuff that is different from when I was coming up. Um, and, and the parents don't really know how, how, how to do a lot of the, a lot of that stuff. So, you know, so they're frustrated and it's passing it on to the kids and, you know, I've always been someone that likes to know where kids' heads are at. Um, and, you know, I'll just tell you something. So just this past Monday, uh, we do a program uh, with uh, Norristown Middle School um, at seven, 7 to 8 o'clock each night. Um, and, um, you know, we just touch on specific topics. And, you know, I always like to connect with the kids and just try to get a sense of where their their heads are at. And I asked this one one young lady how she was doing and. Um, you know, she told me that the virtual world is like talking to a wall. Um, so she just feels very disconnected. She, again, it's that isolation piece where, um, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe there are some kids who are not in the best households and going to school is actually a release for them. It's actually, you know, great for them to get a chance to spend time with their, with their friends. And, uh, so kids are really struggling with the isolation piece. And then, unfortunately, they're struggling with the with the racial and, and social injustice that we're seeing out there. And, um, you know, when I was that age, I really didn't have to have those kind of conversations. And, you know, now kids are, you know, at that stage in their life where they're realizing that they're, you know, people think they're different just because of their color, of their skin or, you know, just because of their hair texture, just because of, you know, the fact that, you know, maybe they're a certain religion or. Um, maybe their sexual orientation, whatever it is, all these things are, you know, these kids are struggling with it now, you know? So it's really about, you know, really trying to, um, you know, really encourage them, provide them with some sort of support. So they understand that, um, you know, it's adversity, you know, and unfortunately adversity is part of life. Uh, But I try to um, show the positive in the adversity. What can they learn from the experiences they're going through and how can they use those, those experiences to actually benefit them moving forward? Yeah. I, I think you brought up some interesting things there that, that sort of peaked in my mind. And that's that, you know, you'll, you'll often hear from the older generation, oh, you know, they need to toughen up. There were bullies when I was a kid. There was this when I was a kid. There was that when I was a kid. You know, my parents didn't coddle me. What's this participation trophy stuff? 
I, I think that one of the things that you pointed out is with the technological revolution that's happened in the last two decades, everything is amplified. And that's what people, I think, sometimes forget that bullying is no longer on the just your schoolyard, the 60 or 100 kids or whatever that go to your school in your grade, which is already bad enough, yeah. by the way. Yeah. But it's even worse because now you're on Facebook and it's 1,000, it's 10,000, mm. it's 100,000. It's, you know, it's a huge exponential number of people coming down on you, constantly judging you and then comparing yourself to other individuals out there in this sort of fake Instagram society oh, that we boy. live in, right? Um, so what are some of the best practices that you use, first of all, to figure out what's going on with a, with a, a, a person that you're working with, regardless of their age? And then, or, or if there's differences in the different age groups, please, you know, delineate that. But, and then once you've done that, what are the strategies that you use? Yeah, so I I, I think uh, it it all just starts with conversation. Um, it it first starts with building trust. Um, you know, anytime I come across a young person, you know, I always explain to them that listen, you don't know me uh, yet, um, and I don't know you yet. Um, but I think the first strategy is building trust, and how I do that, Tony, is um, I show them my scars. You know, and I always. Um, let them know, listen, I can sit in front of you here and impress you with letting you know about all my degrees and, you know, letting you know about all my accomplishments. And although I do think that that is important because they do need to understand uh, what they can accomplish and understand that I'm no different than they are. So I do have to let them know that. But I let them know that I can really make an impact in your life by sharing my scars and my mistakes, because I I think as adults, I, I think a lot of times uh, we want to we want to act like we didn't make the same mistakes the kids made. We were kids at one point as well, you know, and even as adults, we still make mistakes. So I think a lot of times it's showing them the scars. It's showing them that, um, listen, I came from a single parent home too. Listen, you know, my, you know, I, I had a death in the family. Listen, um, you know, I, I, uh, didn't do well, you know, in school, you know, I failed classes and, um, you know, I, I just let them know I made all these mistakes too. And, you know, a lot of times it's almost like, you know, they, they're almost like sitting up where I think they look they, they look at you in such reverence and such respect a lot of times, which they should respect you. But I think they look at you as if you're, you know, on this pedestal. And I think I feel like it's important for me to knock myself down and let them know, listen, I'm just like you. Everything that you're dealing with, I dealt with it as well. So I think it first starts with building trust. And, um, you know, my strategy is having uh, it, it, that's part of the strategy, but, but having conversation, um, and allowing them to, to be heard. I think a lot of times and, and to empathize and to sympathize as well. Um, I think a lot of times, um, kids, uh, are, are not heard at, at, at home. You know, I was actually raised, uh, listen, and you know, you're a man just like me. I don't know if you were raised like me, but you know, I was taught that, you know, we, we couldn't cry and, you know, we had to be tough and, you know, I played sports and it was like, you know, suck it up all those things that you, you know, you and yep. I are very familiar with. Um, so I, we had to suppress, you know, the, you know, everything, you know, and that's how you develop these mental challenges. That's why I dealt with depression and, um, you know, just a lot of different struggles. So I think it really starts with, uh, you know, again, building trust, um, you know, starting a, a conversation and, and, and just, building a relationship and letting them know that it's a safe zone and, um, you know, everything's confidential. I'm here to help you. 
And um, I, I feel like it, 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 it turns out to where once kids open up and, um, you know, I can kind of share, you know, some of the experiences I've had, they've been very receptive to it. And, um, you know, fortunately, I've been very effective uh, doing it that way. And it actually works with adults as well, too. I think it's just different. It's like different techniques. But I think, you know, it's really about building trust and just uh, starting conversation. Yeah, I think you're right. That self-deprecating approach of being really transparent and just saying, not just saying, hey, I understand what you're going through, but actually mm -hmm. showing them that yeah. I've been through some stuff as well. And maybe I can help you, you know, find the right path if you want that. And that kind of it's more of the pull rather than push kind of thing. Right. You know, mm -hmm. that that get them to want the help and then you can help them after the fact you you brought up adults. Is there a difference when dealing with adults? Do you find a difference? Is it more of a struggle because they have more barriers that they've developed over time? Or is that sometimes easier? What do you think? Uh, I, it's weird. I, it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, I think, you know, with, with adults, it's it's uh, they they obviously have they're more secure in who they are um, so they can, you know, they're they just will willingly show you their scars. You know, like, this is who I am, you know, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you have uh, some adults who um, because of, a tr you know, the trauma they never dealt with, they still suppress everything and it's difficult for them to, you know, sort of open up. I do want to add uh, a, another strategy I use because I use um, my backgrounds in sports. So I also use sports um, to sort of get the message across. And I think that, um, you know, professional athletes and uh, just famous people in general, we know that people put them on pedestals, people put them, you know, especially kids. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, it's almost like whatever a famous person says is, is, is Bible. So I think a lot of times explaining to them that they're no different than the kids are, they're no different than people are, um, by sh I share their story. So if there's a, a, a specific, you know, professional athlete, that's very well known who struggled with something similar to, to a child, whether it's depression, uh, trauma, uh, you know, uh, whatever it is coming from a single parent home, I think a lot of times when you can normalize them and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm just throwing names out. But, you know, LeBron James dealt with something exactly like you or Steph Curry dealt with, you know, and they're like, really? You know, so I think um, that's been something that has been almost uh, encouraging to them and therapeutic to them to let them know that, you know, even the great LeBron James or even the great Kobe Bryant, whatever it is, they dealt with those experiences as well. And if they can make it, you know, and I always let them know if they can make it, then they're no different than you. They just work hard to get with where, where, where they are. So, um, you know, so I kind of use sports as well or, you know, just well-known uh, individuals. Yeah. So once you've identified what these individuals are going through, primarily people in the mid-teen adolescent age to the mid-20s age, what, what are the strategies that you're using primarily to help them overcome these obstacles? Yeah. So. Um, so I, I'm not a, an expert in, in all those areas. Um, you know, fortunately, over the years, I've been able to, um, you know, uh, make a lot of connections and I have friends who specialize in those areas. So um, so a lot of times it's, you know, passing them on to an expert that can actually, you know, help in, in those areas. Um, you know, so that that's 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 one thing. And, and uh, you know, an, another strategy is is. Um, you know, just really trying to spend time with them and really, 
you know, just trying to just to talk it out, you know, and, and just to engage and, um, you know, uh, you know, frequent check-ins, you know, how are you feeling today? Or, um, you know, what, okay. So you got upset today because this happened. So what, ex- you know, tell me exactly what happened. Let's talk it out, you know? And, and I, and I think, um, just the ability to, to get it out and, and not suppress it, um, doesn't cause, you know, blowups. It doesn't cause uh, surprise. They're, they're aware of it. They understand, okay, I'm feeling like this. It doesn't, and I'm not saying we, you know, they bat a thousand or I bat a thousand. Sometimes it happens where you just get upset, you know, and, and, you know, if you're dealing with, you know, some sort of, you know, bipolar disorder or what, like, for example, my brother um, is, you know, he, he battles uh, being bipolar, you know? So being in that environment, I can sort of identify it and sort of, uh, you know, sort of adopt some of the strategies he's been given, which is sort of writing things out, figuring out what your triggers are, um, you know, and so I can help the kids understand, okay, so, you know, what, it, what, when does, when do you get to this state? What, what are your triggers? You know, so um, that's one main strategy I've done is just kind of writing out, you know, what your triggers are. That way they're sort of uh, aware of what could potentially get them to that point. And um, I think it's been very effective. And like I said, we don't bat a thousand, but um, I, I, I can definitely see the improvement for sure. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant strategy, actually. So I myself deal with ADHD on a regular basis. Uh, there's a funny story. I, um, I, I won't talk about the, the particulars of the background just to protect the innocent, but I was talking to a doctor once and, um, and I mentioned something about ADHD. And he turned to me and said, well, it's not possible that you have ADHD. And I said, why do you say that? I, I actually found it a little shocking that he was that confrontational. Yeah. Um, but I said, why do you say that? And he said to me, because everyone with ADHD gets diagnosed as a child. The the polarity of the extremity of that statement aside, um, I, I found it pretty shocking that that was the, the prevailing mentality for for a physician. And I, I just find it interesting because I'm I'm sure because I wasn't diagnosed um, officially, but I know that I have ADHD, especially at this point in my age. I'm 37, and and I think I know myself pretty well yeah, yeah, to know um, that there are triggers. And you brought up triggers, so I happen to have a, a mentor slash teacher slash friend. You know that there, it, it's labels these days are just kind of useless. I think, but. He has been super instrumental and helpful in my life in helping to curb some of those issues that I've been having. And ADHD, if we're being open about it, is a form of depression in many ways. It's sort of being diagnosed as that and treated in that way now. Now, I personally, I'm again, I'm not a doctor either. Um, so, you know, this isn't medical advice or anything, but I personally try to stay away from medication unless mm-hmm. it's a, an absolute necessity and last resort for me. I'd prefer to try to find the way to work through th- something. But there are days just being open and honest and transparent about it where I wake up and it is just a brutal struggle the mm-hmm. entire day. It's like there's somebody living in your head that's just constantly trying to distract wow. you. And it, it's tough. I think people don't talk about it enough or the people who don't understand what it's like to live with something like that, 
don't understand the struggle that it can be. And they they sort of think, oh, you're just distracted. That's not an excuse. You know, I can focus. Why can't you? And no, it's it's actually legitimately just you get lost. Like mm-hmm. mentally, you're just completely it might be hours before you even catch yourself wow. sometimes. And that happens to me on, on a, a relatively frequent basis. So talking about triggers, I think, is really important and is a brilliant strategy to helping people to at least, as you pointed out, become aware of these things that are going on. And it's funny because, you know, as I've developed sort of a meditation practice, um, that's been very helpful for me because what happens when you start to meditate, and it's it's very difficult for somebody with ADHD to just sit down and try to be quiet with I your eyes imagine, closed. Yeah. Um, but what happens is as you start to develop the skill, like any other muscle, like going mm-hmm. to the gym, like you know, whatever it is that you're training at on a regular basis, you start to get better and better. Mm. And what happens is those moments between the triggers, that brief instant starts to expand and you be, you become more able to identify those triggers and to become aware of it. And then the one thing that my mentor shared with me was this is how, for instance, you become more sensitive to anything, right? Like I, I, have the the blessing that I don't get sick very often. Mm-hmm. Largely, it's because I try to eat well. I try. Look, you know, don't get me wrong. I love a cheesesteak every once yeah, in a yeah. while, but in moderation, <laughs> right? So, but one of the things is you start to work on the triggers, right? So, all right, I got sick. What happened a day or two before I got sick? Well, I had a raspy throat. Well, next time I have a raspy throat, I'll stop and think to myself, wait a minute, what? two days or three days before I had the raspy throat was I feeling, you know, maybe I had a chill or something like that, whatever it is. And you work your way back trigger by trigger by trigger by trigger backwards. And um, I'm not saying that this is perfect because as I said, you know, there are days where I wake up and I'm it's noon and I'm like, what the hell happened today? You know, I've been completely lost most of the day. Um, So, but if you work at that, you can, you can pick up those triggers. Is that, the strategy that you've used or what's your experience with the trigger approach and what are some of the best practices that you might be able to recommend to somebody listening? Yeah. Um, th- that's always been, been my approach. Um, so, you know, you speak to kids and, you know, they talk about, um, you know, certain classmates that just infuriate them or maybe a brother or sister, you know, really infuriates them. And I think, um, I, you know, I love how you just explained that. I, I think it really is training them to become more aware, you know, and I think as we get older, we become more aware and something's been happening for years. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, you just almost have like an aha moment where you're saying, all right, every time I speak to this person or this person says something to me, there's something in me and you might not necessarily be able to identify what it is, but there's something in me that makes me want to lash out at this person or just whatever it is. So it's really, like you said, almost developing a discipline to train yourself to be aware of, you know, your surroundings and and what's making you feel a certain kind of way. And it's really challenging for kids um, because they're just not I think for one, there's a, a, a stigma when it comes to uh, any sort of mental illness. Um, I've seen parents where they almost will just say they almost dismiss the fact that their child is going through something. And I think that um, it could be their upbringing. Um, it could also be, 
that uh, maybe they have a lot on their plate and they feel like, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, you, you, you know, pray about it or, you know, just go play basketball, whatever it is. And I don't think they really address and deal with the issue, you know? So I think because of that stigma, I don't think it's really taken seriously, you know? So, you know, and, and I, you know, I love my, you know, love my mom, love, you know, the family I grew up with, but just our culture, just, we never really, we never addressed issues like that. You know, there wasn't that understanding. I mean, I don't, are, are, what, what, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking, I'm 41. Yeah. I don't mind. Okay. Asking. So we're right around the same yeah. age group. You grew up in the eighties. I grew up in the eighties. There wasn't that knowledge in the eighties, right. Of uh, listen, growing up full truth right here, right. Growing up in elementary school, I was the kid that got separated and had his desk like off in the corner because I couldn't sit still and I wanted to talk to everybody and was very Mm -hmm. like, you know, extroverted as a child. And that's what they did. They isolated you, which is for somebody that's extroverted. That's the worst thing that you could do, because then I'm just itching in my seat. You know, I can remember vividly in in uh, fifth grade, sixth grade, all of those elementary school grades coming up, just, I would get into trouble just because I was talkative because they didn't understand, right? They didn't have the tools back then to kind of know that, all right, well, he's got ADHD. Putting him in the corner is going to be like the worst thing you could do to this kid. Well, here's the irony. I was the opposite, meaning I was an introvert. So you know, uh, there were a lot of times where they felt like something was wrong with me because I wasn't right. very talkative, you right. know? Um, and I think it's everything that you just said, but just from the intro, the, intro- the opposite the introvert right. perspective. Yes. Right. So. What's wrong with you? Go outside. Yeah. What do you mean you want to read a book and sit in your room by yourself? What are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? What's wrong with this kid? Right. Yeah. That was the eighties basically. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. It's crazy. So yeah, I think uh, you're spot on with that. It's true. Yeah. So, so what are we doing to overcome that now that you think we're doing better and what can we do better as a society, as, as individuals looking out for each other and looking out to our friends and family. And when we recognize some of these triggers, what are some of the things that you would recommend that people do to help each other out? Yeah. So, um, it, it's, it's difficult now with the, with the virtual world, again, not having that, that touch, Um, but one thing I just been trying to do is just staying in contact and, and, you know, we're living in a texting era now, you know, fortunately, unfortunately. Um, so again, that personal touch is, is is sort of lost. And the fact that we can't really, um, you know, hug people like, like I'm a hugger, you know, you can't hug people, you can't touch people, you can't really express love to them. Um, so it's, it's, it's been kind of challenging, but all I try to do is just to stay in contact with people and just you know, try to let them feel that someone cares. I try to let them know that I'm listening to them. Um, you know, I think, you know, a, a, a lot of times I will, you know, people will say stuff to me and I'm kind of obsessive about making sure that uh, people know that I'm listening to them. So I'll write stuff down, you know, so that the next time I engage with them, I'll say, hey, how how is such and such? And they'll, you know, be surprised that I remember it. Um, but that's just a form to let them know it's a form of love. It's a form of letting them know that I'm listening to them. They're being heard. Um, because again, I feel like a lot of times they're in that situation because they don't feel like they're being heard, you know? So, um, so that's, that's a, a technique I've used. I'm big on, um, you know, effectively communicating. And so it's really about just staying in contact with them and and just really showing them that, you know, you sympathize for them, you empathize for them in, in many cases. 
and you're there for them. So, uh, you know, anytime you have some sort of uh, episode, you know, you have my number, feel free to reach out to me and, um, you know, just connect and let's talk about it to keep it from really escalating into something that um, is sort of out of control. Yeah. Now let's talk about a little bit more of the adult side stuff, the depression, the imposter syndrome, which I think a lot of people are dealing with on an amplified level right now. Um, some of those things. So how do you help those individuals? And I would imagine that most of these individuals that you're working with from a college perspective are those that are in college or university. They're dealing with a lot of additional anxiety. I've seen it in a lot of my students because right now, as you can imagine, one, it's really difficult to engage. I'm struggling to engage with my students and to try to keep class entertaining and to keep them interested in the learning. Um, they're just sitting there in front, like you said, talking to a screen, really. It's yeah. not as engaging. So what are some of the strategies that you're using to help them over, overcome imposter syndrome, lack of belief in themselves, that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so I, I, again, I'm very transparent. So I, I definitely let them know um, I, I, I can understand and relate to some of the challenges they're, they're dealing with, you know. Um, you know, for example, I was just having a conversation with, uh, with a young lady who, um, you know, was talking about her fear of public speaking and, um, you know, and, and I was telling her that I related to it, you know, there was, uh, at one point I was terrified to get in front of people. And, uh, there were a lot of times I, you know, experienced a lot of, you know, shame and embarrassment because I was up there stuttering and, you know, lost my train of thought and, and, um, you know, so, uh, again, my, my strategy is I'm always just very transparent with them and I'm someone that's, uh, big into self-help. Um, you know, so I'm always passing along different books, um, you know, passing along different videos to, to, to people to, um, if I feel like it's something that can help them out, um, you know, I'm, I'm constantly sharing, um, you know, just when people are, you know, sharing their, their personal story. So they understand again, you're not alone, you know? Um, you know, and I just try to explain to them or reiterate to them, you know, their, their worth. I think a lot of times uh, there are so many people who aren't happy with themselves. And um, as a result, they pass that on to other people and uh, just so they can make themselves feel better. And, you know, it's really about reminding them who they really are and all the great qualities they have and really, uh, you know, just reassuring them of, of, of the gifts they, they really have. So, um, you know, so again, it's, it's, you know, reiterating to them who they are and reminding them who they are when people are trying to tell them they're, they're something else. And, um, you know, and it's about just being transparent with them and, and, and letting them know, Hey, listen, I, I get it. I've been there. You know, these are some of the things I, I experienced the same thing. These are some of the things I did to help me get out of that situation. And, and, um, it's been very effective. I just had a conversation last night, um, with a young lady, I think she was 19, and uh, she was actually the daughter of a friend and, um, you know, very beautiful girl, but she was very insecure and, you know, didn't think that she was pretty enough for other, you know, for, for you know, other young men to like her. And um, so I, I, you know, and she compared herself, you know, you mentioned comparison earlier. She was comparing herself to other classmates who she feels like, you know, they get all this attention. And, and I was trying to explain to her that she needs to, you know, be who she is, you know. There's a reason why, you know, she has more friends and she's lo more loved than she actually thinks. But, you know, sometimes you forget those things. So you have to remind them, you know, who they are. 
um, so that they, you know, they can stop comparing themselves and understand that, you know, you're never going to be someone else. You don't want to be someone else. You know, your greatest you is when you embrace who you are, you know? So, um, so it's just, you know, that's kind of what I, what I've been doing. Just try to inspire people. I try to remind people, I try to, you know, just, um, Re- reaffirm who they really are because they might, they, maybe they just forgot, you know, so I just try to remind them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And there's an interesting thing that you kind of pick up. I forget if it's from Buddhism, but I think it is when you, you learn to do mindfulness meditation. Mm. And that is what the awareness that we were talking about earlier, right? And that's part of it, just being aware of what you're experiencing in the present moment without judgment. That's the basic sort of, you know, 30,000 foot view of what you're looking to do. And a lot of times people think it's about shutting off your mind or whatever, some mystical thing that you're trying to get to. It's really just that. It's just being able to say, I'm sitting here counting my breaths or I'm, you know, doing a, a body scan or something like that. And just no judgment, just recognizing, you know, whatever the emotion or the thought is that pops into your head and then just letting it go, not chasing after it. And one of the things that you kind of start to pick up on is the non-judgment aspect ends up being two things in one. Mm. And that is being equally comfortable in your own skin in the present moment, but at the same time recognizing that you're capable of growth if you want it. And that's okay. So it's both that I'm okay with who I am right now, you know, the the my whole backstory is what led to this moment and that's okay mm. and still striving for better but not because i'm trying to impress others or whatever but because i know that i'm capable of that and want that for myself because i have that ambition yeah so i think that that's part of it right yeah absolutely uh and i you just jogged my memory when i was listening to you um you know i think that you know, we're in a world where, uh, you know, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, social media and obviously, you know, everyone's on there. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, they give this false perception of what their what life really is. And so, you know, I think that messes with people's minds uh, a lot of times. I don't think people are as as wise as you to to realize that, you know, everything that people are posting, it's 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 not real, you know. So um, and then we're in a society where I think there there's more negative coming into our minds than positive, you know, and I'm not someone that feels like if you're just positive all the time, life is going to be great. That's not realistic. Um, But one of the things I constantly try to do is to combat all the negative uh, um, thoughts that continue to come into my mind. I'm constantly trying to feed my mind with positive uh, you know, positive, uh, things that are going to benefit me. So, you know, what do you read? You know, I'm, so I'm a big reader, you know, so it's not always necessarily self-help type books, but it's just, you know, good, positive, uh, informative, beneficial information. I'm constantly reading. And then, you know, I'm constantly listening to, you know, like podcasts like yourself, like great podcasts where it's good information, you know, and, and, and I'm allowing all that stuff to, to feed me and to, you know, and, and listen, you know, what you do is powerful, you know, and, um, you know, it's amazing. You'll get up, you're not necessarily feeling great. And all of a sudden you listen to a great podcast and, you know, you're ready to tackle, tackle, you know, tackle the world, you know? So, um, it's really about just really making sure you're constantly feeding yourself really good information to sort of drown out all the negativity. And I'm telling you, it just has a really, it's, it's, it's had a great effect on me. And I feel that it does, it can help others as well. 
That's great advice. I think you're a hundred percent right on that, that the, in our house, my wife and I have a rule, no news. We do not watch the news. The news wow. is not something that's ever on in our household. If something important happens, trust me, somebody will let us know. <laughs> right. Um, you know, especially with the overabundance of, yeah. of connection and information yeah. these days. Yeah. 20 so people, it's just 20 people yeah, will let you. Yeah, know, Tony. yeah, absolutely. Right. You'll be getting text messages like crazy or Facebook messages or whatever. So you will find out the necessary information. And unfortunately, you're right. It's if it bleeds, it leads. Mm -hmm. The negativity is what hits the front page. And it's just it's overwhelming. Yes. And you're right. You'll be in a funk. You'll you will be in a funk. So we shut that off. It's been difficult, not going to lie, the last month or so with all the political stuff mm -hmm. going on. And in the last few months with with the the negative tension in the air with everything that's happened sure. with social injustice, et cetera. And I'm not saying that those issues aren't important and that you shouldn't care about them and get out there and protest and do do things as long as you're not harming others, in my opinion, but do things that that amplify your voice and your message. Those things are important. But sitting in front of the TV yelling at it because you're opposed to pick your political candidate. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I have both sides of the fence on Facebook saying unfriend me if you're going to vote for the oh, other boy. guy. Both sides are uh, saying that. Uh, okay. and, and I'm just sitting here. This happens every four yeah, years, by yeah, the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's you know, I'm moving. If so and so gets elected, yeah. I'm doing this. Unfriend me if you're going to vote for that guy. Unfriend me if you're going to vote for the other guy. And I just sit here and think to myself, you know, what what are you doing? What yeah. are you saying? Yeah. And and not only that, but but is this really what you want to live with? Yeah. You know, so I agree. It's not it's not this um, silly, you know, sort of uh, blindness, blind optimism or blind positivity. Right. None of that. But having a positive mindset and saying, I'm going to control the controllables. Yep. I'm going to focus on the little victories that are going to help amplify my and my family and my circle of friends life. And I, I want to be a positive influence. I don't I don't know why anyone would want to be upset. Yeah. Right yeah. It's on true. a regular basis. It's true. I like to say like this, Tony, I, I think you have to be intentional about guarding your peace. Like you I love that your wife and you and your wife do that because you're right. It's you, you can you can wake up in the morning and just be energized and feel great. And you go from, you know, you're on CNN, you're going to Fox News, like all of a sudden, like your your shoulders could just you can feel heavy. You can yep. just feel, you know, just like what just happened, you know. So I think it is it is important. I, I, I don't want to get into the story, but I'll just tell you something really quick. Um, this was probably about a month ago. Um, an African-American uh, wasn't a friend. It was just sort of an acquaintance. But. Um, he had mentioned um, the name of one of the you know African Americans who unfortunately uh, his life was taken away because of police brutality, and obviously the the list is just it's it's too long. I don't I don't know every single person's name, you know. And this individual was saying, "How could you not know it?" As if to say, "You're black, you should know." No, I'm not going to know. Like you're not going to put that on <laughs> on me, right? Right. I can't sit there and study every single situation. I don't know every single person's name. I don't know the specific incident. You're not going to put that on me. And people, they want to do that. They want you to care as much as they do. 
And you just have to be very intentional because if you're not careful, it will, it can, and it will affect you. So you, again, you just have to be intentional about guarding your peace. Do you think that it's because of the social media culture that we live in Mm. that people have become so this is my soapbox. I'm going to get up here and yell at the top of my lungs. And if you don't agree with me, I'm going to yell even louder in your oh, face. Listen. Is it because of that? Is it because we're just constantly, you know, in our own head? I, I think thing? so. I absolutely listen. S- social media is it's been one of the biggest blessings, but one of the biggest curses. OK, um, it's weird because before two years ago, I was someone that was sort of avoiding social media, to be really honest with you. Um, but obviously I'm running a company now. So now it's like, I, I have to, that people ha- need to know what I do, uh, you know? So, um, so I'm on it, uh, probably more than uh, I want to be. Um, and so sometimes you just, even if you're trying not to see something, sometimes it just, it, it just, it's just tough to avoid it, you know? So, um, I really feel like social media, um, is a major cause of that because now everybody has a mic, everybody has a platform, uh, to say what they want to say and to feel important. And I think that, um, you know, they get drunk off the likes and the reactions, uh, you know, to basically give them some sort of indication that what they're saying is, is relevant. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's dangerous. I think that people misuse social media and, um, it, it just, it creates a snowball effect where it's just negativity, negativity, negativity. And, um, you know, people love to talk. They like to hear themselves talk and social media is that platform. That's, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, it, it gives them that opportunity to sort of run their mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Getting back to your organization, cause mm-hmm. we got a little bit off on a oh, tangent. Yeah. So are you structured as a nonprofit organization? Are you for profit and how can people connect with you, get involved and help out? Yep, we are a for-profit, um, and uh, you know I just mentioned social media, so I am on social media. So you can connect with me on Facebook either through my personal uh, my personal page, which is filled with two L's. Everyone always wants to put the one L, but it's filled with two L's. Uh, my last name's Y A C I N T H E. Again, you did a great job of pronouncing it. It's pronounced Yacinth. Um, and then I also have a company page, and it's at the Fulfill Company. So it's uh, all lowercase. The word the fulfill is spelled F is in Frank U L um, P is in Paul H I L L the word company. So at the fulfill company, and then I'm also on Instagram at the fulfill company as well. And then um, I'm on LinkedIn as well uh, as uh, Philip Yusin. Super cool. Awesome. Phil, thank you so much for your time. This was a great discussion. Hopefully people can get a little bit more clarity and perspective and help themselves out can they reach out to you if they're looking for assistance and will you direct them in the right direction if, if you can't help them out? Yeah, they can, uh, they can reach out to me, uh, through either of my social media platforms. And then also, um, I, I didn't, uh, mention my website. Uh, you can also reach out to me on my website at of course, www.thefulfillcompany.com. And, uh, you can contact us via phone, via email. You can reach out to me either way. Awesome. Phil, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Tony, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.